Hello and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. I'm Worth Wheeler, the pastor here. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Just want to highlight a few of the announcements that you may have seen on the announcement reel prior to this message. And if you haven't, you can uh, go back and look at that at your convenience or jump onto our website, westseattlechristian.church. Head to the blog section and you'll see everything that we have coming down the pipe there. I uh, also want to give a kind of give a shout out to the new way we're doing our worship set each week. We have made a Spotify playlist, which you can get in our weekly email or jump on the blog and join that as well. Or just if you're already on Spotify, search West Seattle Christian Church and you'll see our Sunday set list. You can enjoy worship that way um, and in the future. So without further ado, we're going to jump into our hindsight series, which we are about to wrap up in this week and next week. So. If you'll join me now, open your uh, Bibles to Matthew, uh, and we will be there and in Isaiah. And I want to start out with a question for you this morning. The question is, what's the best thing that you have heard all week, or the best thing that you've seen or watched from someone or somewhere or someplace? What's the best news that you have heard all week? I wonder what that is for you. I had two really good pieces of news this week. Both of them had to do with uh, people in our family and their health, and they were they were good items of news um, that we were very much relieved about them and uh, very happy to hear the news for both of those people. Today, we're like I said before, we're almost done with our our series on hindsight, and in this series, we've been doing something interesting, which is looking at the New Testament as the primary lens for how we view our lives. And in this series in particular, we've been looking at portions of the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. So what does it look like for the story of Jesus, the narrative that God is telling? How do we let that narrative be the guiding narrative of our life? That's the question we've been asking. And again, if you haven't joined us in our reading of the New Testament, you can do that uh, by jumping on our blog again and looking up the Read the New Testament piece that's on there. And um, just read your way through the post and watch all the videos from the Bible Project. Now, I know many of you have a smartphone. That's the way you get the news. So I asked that question, what's the best news you've heard this week? And a lot of you in the morning, if you're like me, you read your news, or you watch the TV, or you read the newspaper. And many of you know that you can speak to your smartphone also. And if you have an Android, you can say, to Google Assistant, you can say, hey, Google, or if you have an iPhone, you can say, hey, Siri, or if you have an Alexa smart device in your house, you can say, hey, Alexa, and you can say, give me the news. So uh, for a while there, some of these some of these services, you could say, you could say, hey, Siri, give me the news for today. You can do that right now. Typically for me, when I do that, it brings up one of the news sites, gives me a choice, NPR or Google News or whatever. If you have an Alexa device, you can actually say, give me some good news. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The only problem with it is I've heard, I've heard it really only gives you like, I don't have an Alexa device, but my parents do. So I've heard it gives you only a, a little less than a minute of good news when it does give you that good news. You have to like literally get on Google and type in, give me some good news for there to be some fun stories or some pick me up kind of stories that are more encouraging. So there's really only a little bit of news that's good. And this helps us see that there's a lot of bad news. You didn't need me to illustrate that for you, really. But what is unfortunate is the ability of all the news purveyors to recognize that bad news sells. And so we see a lot of it. 
Have you noticed how much when you find it or when it finds you that when there is some really good news out there, you're like, wow, that's really good news. Have you noticed that? Like it just kind of sprouts up and stares you in the face and hits you in a different way. Like when someone does something kind or when someone helps someone or rescues them or pays their debt or does something unexpected, the news sits up and takes notice. I love the um, specific inauguration night piece with Tom Hanks where he showcased regular folks uh, who were doing, make, doing amazing things, uh, making a difference in their community in really small ways that made a huge difference. And it was really stand out notable because it's in the midst of a lot of bad news. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this is that in this narrative that God is telling, when Jesus comes into the story, he arrives in the middle of a really, really, really bad time full of really bad news. The people of God are a conquered people who are oppressed. They barely have any income. They aren't heard or listened to by any of the powers that be. They literally have no voice. And they've been dealing with this and been in this position for centuries, for centuries. And with hindsight, they could have looked back a few hundred years and they would have found a prophet about six to eight hundred years before their time, before the time of Jesus. And there was this prophet named Isaiah, and he was saying some things to God's people. And what he was talking about was the person of Jesus. And we can look back through the story of Jesus and him on the cross and his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection all the way through that and to what Isaiah was saying about him. And we see how all of it came true because of hindsight. And then on the opposite side of that, we can look at what Jesus says and what he's saying about his own story, what he's up to, and what he's calling us to manifest in and through him and, and the future that he wants to have happen. And it's really, really instructive. So what I want to do is go back and read that passage from Isaiah, uh, or a passage from Isaiah, that illustrates who Jesus is and what he's all about and how that's instructive, not only for when Jesus arrives on the scene, but what it means for us today. The text we're going to look at is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What I want you to see is not that that's just a verse we read at Christmas time, but I want, I want to key in on, on one of the main words in there, which is kingdom. That God's kingdom will have a new king. And a couple of weeks ago, we broke down what that means that a kingdom has a, a reign, and the reign of God. And we said that that phrase means that there is a way this God is going to operate, the way this king is going to operate. In fact, the title of that message was, This is the Way. Um, and so if you haven't heard that already, I encourage you to go back a couple weeks and listen to that as kind of a precursor to what we're talking about today. And if you look at what Isaiah is saying here, this kingdom looks different. It, ha it has a different way about it. It is a good news kingdom. And so it makes sense that we see Jesus proclaiming the way of a good news kingdom as he's walking around and doing his ministry in Israel. And when we talk about the good news, you may have heard me use that term, the gospel. Maybe you've heard that word before. Maybe some TV show, show used the term uh, 
you probably hear it in a phrase like, that's the gospel truth, which is usually followed by God is my witness or something like that, which unfortunately means in the movie that at least half the time the person who's saying that is lying. But nevertheless, Jesus comes on as this new king sharing this gospel, this good news of a good news kingdom. And to illustrate that, I want to direct your attention to this four and a half minute video from the Bible Project, where they talk specifically about what this good news is. Now, we've talked a lot about the Bible Project in this series, and I hope you've checked it out by now. But if you haven't um, visited our Read the New Testament page on our blog on the website, I encourage you to do that now, and also to visit thebibleproject.com to see everything they have available, because it's just, it's just an awesome resource. Now, let's check this out, because it really sets up what I want to talk about next. If you know any Christians, or if you happen to be one, you've probably heard the word gospel as a kind of summary of Christian belief, connected to phrases like, God loves you, or Jesus died for your sins. But over time, religious words like gospel can lose their power and meaning by becoming too familiar. So let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. Eu means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger biser that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings, whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so, when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel. When he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom, Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. 
He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the Evangelion, that all authority in heaven on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus' followers also shared the good news by simply talking about it. This is why Peter and Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila, traveled all around sharing the royal announcement. While it might look like the rulers of our world are in charge and can do whatever they want, the good news is that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, the real king of all creation. And in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. It's where the real leaders are the servants, because the last are first and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed and the homeless are welcome, because love is the most powerful reality of God's kingdom. And this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy when you first hear it, but something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. That's when this gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. Something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and live like he really is the king of the world. Did you miss that phrase? Well, don't. Don't miss that. Something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he is the king of the world. That says it all. When we understand Isaiah was talking about Jesus as this new king and how his kingdom would be different, very much different. And when we understand Jesus, when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, that when he said that, he was illustrating and then living out that kingdom as a kingdom of justice and righteousness and, and peace and forgiveness and love. When we understand all of that in our heads, that's one thing. But when we start living like he really is the king of the world, that's something else. That is really good news. So I'll leave you with one question this week, and we'll come at it again next week to finish it up. Here's the question. Do we live like Jesus really is the king of the world? If we live it, it should look like the way of Jesus, both on the inside of us and on the outside of us. In the video, the narrator, Tim, he says, Jesus is the new king, which means he's bringing a new way of life. Following him means seeking peace and radical forgiveness and generosity, even towards your enemies. Is good news requiring people to make a decision? And the decision is this, will I surrender my life to King Jesus? Will I live his way? The way of love and generosity that is radical, a radical love and generosity that you offer to others because that same radical love and generosity was offered to you and to me, no matter who we are and how we've lived. That is what is offered to us, an invitation to decide if we want to follow that way of that king. And then the video goes on to say that Jesus challenged the corrupt systems and leaders in surprising ways by 
by the power of God's generous love, giving up his life, he showed true royal authority by giving his life for the sins of others. And he rose from the dead as the true king whose love is stronger than death. Have you ever, have you ever been asked, why did Jesus have to die? I have. And I'm not sure anybody can answer that in a fully satisfying manner, but I, I don't know. Could anything else prove how strong his love is? Could anything else do that than somebody or someone whose love is stronger than death and they come back to life because of how much love they have for you and the world? Jesus' death on the cross proves just how far he would go just to show this radical love. And in case you thought it was powerful at that point when he goes to the cross, he just he shows just how powerful that, that love really and truly is by coming back to life. And so that's, that's the question. Do we truly live like Jesus is the king of the world? Do we truly live like Jesus is the king of our worlds? And if we're really trying to do that, then it means we're trying to live the way of Jesus. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Grace and peace to you all. I'll see you next time.